Welcome to the Advancing Women Podcast, where ambitious women come together to challenge the status quo, advance their careers, and up-level their lives. The Advancing Women Podcast is hosted by gender equity expert and executive coach, Dr. Kimberly D. Simone. Welcome, warriors, to the Advancing Women Podcast. In a world where high salaries and C-suite positions are often considered the pinnacle of success, we sometimes overlook things like personal happiness, satisfaction, and even purpose as indicators of success. Indeed, research shows very gendered rhetoric around success. The traditionally masculine success language of power, winning, collecting the most toys, making the most money, getting the biggest title, attaining and dominating in positions of power, pay, and prestige. Too often, though, that is then interpreted as women not caring as much about power, pay, and prestige or success. And that can then become a convenient excuse to dismiss inequities and biases and barriers. And I love how my guest today has said, quote, the corporate world is broken because the workplace is not built for humans. It's built for the ideal employee, end quote. What if we approach success more holistically in general, shifting our lens from not only money and title, but also to measures of personal happiness, feelings of belonging, personal health and wellness? What if we had more conversations about the importance of living life to its fullest potential, to our fullest potential, where we don't have to see success at odds with our happiness, peace, purpose, and even wellness? Well, that is what we're going to talk about today on the Advancing Women podcast, and I am so delighted to speak today with Margaret Weniger, coach, speaker, and founder and host of Rising Tide podcast. Welcome, Margaret. Hi. Oh my gosh. I have chills listening to you talk right now. <laughs> you know, every time we speak, I feel so inspired and excited about all the things we can talk about. We are kindred spirit. And I noticed that right away. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for being here. Oh my gosh. Thank you for having me on. And I just love the work that you're doing and the message and the research. I think that's the thing that I just really gravitate to is I love the factual angle you bring to this very important topics. I love that you really help substantiate these conversations with research and data and factual insights. It's so powerful. Thank you so much. I think it's important um, to have informed opinions. So yes. that really is a nice segue into your title of your podcast. Yeah. Um, I often say on this podcast, a rising tide lifts all boats. And so when I came across your podcast titled Rising Tide, I was so intrigued. And I was also drawn to your intro. And you say that Rising Tide is a podcast where career-driven women find inspiration, find courage, and find their voice. And I just love that. So tell me a little bit about the title, Rising Tide, and what inspired it. Oh, my gosh. It's so funny because if you've ever tried to name a podcast, first of all, it is such an excruciating process. (laughs) (laughs) And this one was really interesting because there were two very distinct people I wanted to serve. There was the guest and there was the listener and how I was serving them were two very different ways. And so I, I wrestled a lot with how do I very succinctly describe it? And so, you know, for the guest, we can learn so much and it's so much is shared through the power of story. And we can see ourselves in another person's story. We can draw inspiration. We can draw courage. We can just realize we're not alone. And for the listener, I was really trying to shortcut some of the obstacles or hurdles that she didn't have to to go through on her own. 
And then for the guests, what I found is that I really wanted the podcast to be centered around women doing amazing things, but also women who are very rarely asked for their story. And so part of the beauty of having someone like that on is as she is telling her story, she is claiming it. And she's kind of in hindsight now being able to see just how powerful she is, how much she has accomplished, how many things she's learned along the way. And so through this experience of a woman sharing her story and others listening, that they were collectively rising. And so then that's where ultimately it was that idea of the phrase of a rising tide lifts all boats is this idea that we collectively rise as a part of being in this experience together. I just love that. And that's so aligned, even with my research, I do a lot of research on the lived experience of women. And I love that you're focused on the story of women's lived experience. And when you said that, I actually wrote down while she's telling her story, she's claiming it. Mm -hmm. That is really powerful to think about how sometimes when we say things out loud, we can have that kind of eureka moment that can emerge in our story for both the listener, but also for the women telling their stories. Um, So I think that that's a superpower that you have. And I wanted to know if you could elaborate. And as the host, what is your experience uh, in terms of when you hear that happening and how you facilitate that? (laughs) So I am taking copious notes and normally there's certain things that for, they hit my ear and uh, I will drill in on it, uh, drill in on it. There I go using a masculine term. (laughs) (laughs) I'll want to understand it deeper. And so I'll usually ask a a follow-on question. And I find that's kind of when the moment happens a lot of times, you know, when somebody's saying it, even as they're saying it, they aren't always fully aware of the magnitude of it because I've had the gift of dozens of these conversations. I've had the opportunity to work with amazing females throughout my professional career in corporate, that I can see it for what it is. And so when I ask them to tell me more about that, or how did you do it? That's usually when the magic happens. It's going one layer deeper to understand what was happening behind what you know the outcome was. And I find that seems to be very true across a lot of things. Even when we get upset about things, you know, I love Dr. Susan David. She did research on negative emotions are just their data points, their little signposts of values. And so a lot of times we get angry or we get mad. We don't really do the work of saying, but what actually is behind that? What's right, really- That's the symptom, right? But what's yeah. the problem? So kind of bringing it back to your actual question. A lot of times it's hearing it and asking her to tell me more. And usually it's in telling me more. That's when the dots start to connect. Yeah, that's really interesting because you've interviewed more than 60 top yeah. female professionals on your podcast. Yes. And that's yeah. amazing. Thank because you. It's is, crazy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's no small thing. The logistics of getting that all scheduled and time and calendars. And okay, so you've interviewed more than 60 top female professionals. Can you talk about what it's been like and what your biggest findings have been? Because you said there's so many similarities when you talk to women and you realize how alike we are and so forth. So what themes have emerged and what are the common behaviors that you have recognized in the women you've interviewed in terms of living to our fullest potential? Because I think that's the most um, intriguing thing and what listeners really want to know, right? Like, what have you learned? Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's been... I mean, it's been so fascinating because these are women that are representing all kinds of different industries. Geographically, they're based in different locations. They're different ages. They are different ethnicities. And that's been the most fascinating thing is like on the surface, they do not look similar. But very consistently, there's there's five things and I have like a little like bonus number six thing that kind of piggybacks on one of them. But there's, there's really been five things that they 
consistently are doing that have enabled them to live as the fullest version of themselves at this point in their journey, right? Because I think that's the other beautiful thing is I'm catching them at a moment in their journey. They're still on the journey. And so the first one is, these are women who they've surrounded themselves with what I call a career crew. So normally there's three people that are consistently showing up in their crews. They have mentors. So these are people either in their companies or people in their industry that have an knowledge expertise that they've, they've leveraged for guidance and that they lean on. Um, they've had sponsors. So these were advocates within the company that were advocating for them when they weren't in the room, which is very distinctly different from a mentor. I love that you make that distinction. I counsel young women on that, especially often that a mentor is someone that you can lay all your cards out to and who's really there to help you. And you can kind of show warts and all, but the sponsor (laughs) is not that. The sponsor is someone that you want to see all of the best, your accomplishments and your strengths and your achievements are really top of mind for them. And I think that that's a really important distinction. Yeah, it is. And I actually just published an article on this that we can share with your group that talks about how do you find your sponsor? How do you find mentors? How can you be thinking about really maximizing the relationship? So if anyone's not sure, I I got you covered. Um, I love it. I'll include it in the show notes for sure. Yeah. And then the third thing is a coach. So, and what's really interesting here is this is very consistent. I mean, I would say 95% of the guests have had a coach. And typically they've employed a coach during times of high growth or transition. I love that point. We're both coaches. And Mm -hmm. some people who are not sure about the value of coaches believe, okay, I don't really need a coach. But if you think about a coach in the traditional sense, it's not the athlete that's just okay that needs the coach. The athlete that benefits the most from the coach is the one who's really trying to perform at that highest level. And I know in my executive coaching practice that the women that I talk with are at the top of their game. They have everything they need within them to work through it. But it's helpful to just have a person who can talk that through with them and to help organize a little bit because they're already organizing so many things and to just have that extra brain to kind of help you work through it. Right, right. Because great coaching is just eliciting the information that's inside someone. Absolutely. Right. Like you're not giving them answers. You're just helping extract the answers from 100%. them. 100%. <laughs> yeah. So that's the big one. These women had crews around them that were supporting them. And they had very intentionally curated this group. So that was the first big theme. The second thing that I love is they are proficient networkers. And so it's really funny. I love when I do this in talks, I always ask people to raise their hand if they consider themselves a networker and women very much like it's cringy. And I maybe get like one or two people who half raise their hand. (laughs) And then I ask the room, you know, how many of you consider yourself relationship builders? Almost every hand will go up. Yeah, that's so interesting, the way that you phrase it. Because Mm -hmm. if you look at networking as this very inauthentic, (laughs) showing up and meeting people you don't know, it feels uncomfortable. But if you look at it through the lens of just building relationships, I think then it becomes something that people feel a lot more comfortable with. Right. And that was the thing I noticed is that even the women who did not claim themselves as networkers, what they were really good at was they were very effective at finding people that they had connection with. It was networking authentically. And so it was making sure that it's like doing it in a way that feels right to you, but it's still putting yourself out there and building new relationships. The second piece that was really, really important is they leveraged their network. 
So it's not enough to have the network is they would make asks of their network. So it's very it's kind of like a treadmill, right? right? It's not enough to just have the treadmill. If you don't run right. on it, you don't actually get the benefits of it. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And it's very reciprocal in nature. One of the guests she talked about in the terms of give, give, get, because that's another challenge that can be difficult is sometimes it's hard to ask. Yeah, but- that's really interesting. And I'm going to one up your masculine analogy. And I'm going to talk about boxing that you don't go right for the knockout. You have a few jabs in the process. And so the idea of give, 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 and then maybe ask, I think is really profoundly important. And I think makes women more comfortable because we are not users by nature. We are givers. And so the last thing a person wants to do is see themselves as using another person mm-hmm. without feeling like there's a reciprocal relationship. So I think you've really nailed something important there in terms of the reciprocity piece, especially for women. Right. Right. Exactly. And that's kind of the key. So those that, that, those are a couple of the ones. Then what's been really interesting is they knew what mattered to them. Specifically, what I mean is they they had done two things typically. They had personal values, this idea of understanding what dimension of their life was important to them. So when you think about the dimensions of life, and you know, there's depending on where you look, there's anywhere from six to 10. But this idea of is my well-being, is that the dimension that I'm most focused on? Because you can have these other dimensions, but where you're aligning your time with what is most important to you and taking inventory of what at this t- moment in time. Do I want to be giving my attention to? And so these women were very strong in that area of having their values so that when faced with really difficult decisions, that's when you need to call on them. They would lean on their values and then they would say, what is, what is important to me right now? And how does this align or misalign with what I say is most important to me? Yeah. It really relates to so many things I've talked about so often, but even the art of no, mm-hmm. if you don't understand your why, And as women, you know, the research shows that we are inundated with chores and tasks and housekeeping type of projects because we're asked more often than our male counterparts to do them. But the research is pretty clear that women tend to take on the lion's share of the household and so forth, even if they work. So all of this is going on where there's a lot of asks. And we've also got the social conditioning of be nice be helpful, be supportive. And so when people say, oh, just say no, as though it's so easy and they don't recognize the full complexity of why it's actually not easy. I think what you're talking about here, Margaret, is a lot about is my purpose and my why driving my response? Or is this either an obligation? I'm saying yes to make sure everybody likes me, but I know that I'm going to be angry later that I said yes to this. Right. Um, or is this ego where, oh, I'm going to get all these accolades for this or given this higher title or whatever the prestige is, which is aligned with our ego, but not with our purpose. But when you talk about the why, right? What am I really looking for right now? What piece am I looking to fortify in this bigger picture of the things I'm trying to do? And how does this decision tie to that? So I think that's a profoundly important point. Absolutely. Yeah. It's huge. And I, it's, it's one of those things where, again, I've been doing a lot of thinking and content around this idea of life and career by design. Because if you don't have these things, if this isn't a foundation you have in place, if you haven't done this work, it's very easy to let yourself get pulled around. It's very easy to find yourself in that situation. You're like, why do I do this to myself again and again? Because we're using outward uh, indicators, outward messaging to drive our decisions instead of 
having peace with what we know to be true and not needing these external forces to validate us. And not to say that we don't, we all need validation. And, and my love language is words of affirmation. So I feel this deep. <laughs> yes, words matter, but you're, you're right. Um, I think you've really touched on something that's really important to talk about. I want to talk a little bit about the social conditioning that you mentioned and how we need to break free from that social conditioning and interrupt it as we imagine our career inspirations or whatever it is that we're seeking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so interesting. What's coming to mind is I think one of the most important things is realizing that it's happening. So I know for me, my bubble didn't pop until the end of 2020. I read a book by Elizabeth Lesser called Cassandra Speaks. And in this book, she talked about what has been imprinted on women for millennia. And it was the first time that somebody had laid out in a way that I could understand some of the things that we get so frustrated with ourselves for, that we beat ourselves up, where it came from. It wasn't something we chose. It wasn't something that we wanted. It's imprinted. It's passed down. And so one of the best things we can do as women is understand what social conditioning is, um, truly understand what it is, because if, if we don't understand it, then we can't recognize it. And if we can't recognize it, then we can't give compassion and, and allow people to change and evolve. I think that's one of the hard things too, is like change is very difficult. Even good change is difficult because it's uncomfortable. There's a whole curve that we all kind of naturally go through. And so I think this is one of those things that even though it's going to be a good thing for us, we have to be willing to let go of the conditioning. Yeah. I love that. It aligns beautifully with the mantra that guides the Advancing Women podcast. And I say it often is it's not your fault, but it is your problem. And so I think the empathy of that, yes, there are ways that we behave or do not behave um, that sometimes are not optimal in terms of our advancement or our success or whatever we're trying to attain. However, we don't need to own the blame and the fault. And by understanding the social conditioning, you may not necessarily change it. Mm -hmm. The conditioning will still be there, but you can interrupt it and you can let go of the blame. And I think a lot of the best practice advice and the commentary that women hear too often is we do it to ourselves. And if you would just learn to say no, and if you would just learn, and if you would just, and the fix the women, fix the problem mindset that I talk about all the time, yeah, it just doesn't, take into account the very real social conditioning. And there's something so incredibly freeing mm -hmm. and warm and empathetic about this idea that, yes, there's a situation here that's not optimal for me, but it right. is not my fault. And yes, of course, I'm struggling to say no because society expects me to always say yes and to be helpful. And if, yes, of course, I'm taking on an unfair share of the workload in the home because society has placed so much value on my role as mother and wife. And so really pulling that to the forefront, right? Yeah. As you're saying, is so important. Right. And I, I know for me, a very personal story. I was a spitfire. I am a spitfire. I've had to reconnect with her. She kind of got buried the last decade. <laughs> and, yes. you know, it's one of those things where you kind of come into this world and you're like, I can do anything and I can be anything. I was a child of the 90s and early 2000s. So like there was a lot of like positive feminine energy, but it was very much like you can do anything, you can be anything. And then you get into this world. And it wasn't until the last, again, the last year, really, where I finally understood, and it took me a very long time, that I was operating in a business environment that was neither built by people like me nor for, for. people like me. Mm -hmm. And our world is like that. And so I think that has been extremely liberating because 
it's so hard to admit it, but it's true. I, my default setting when I would be in a room and I would see something different or something didn't make sense, my automatic assumption was there must be something I'm missing. Yeah. Instead of absorbing, we absorb as women. And I think that's part of making everyone else more comfortable. If we absorb it, then other people don't have to. And then you do put yourself out there and you can get your hands slapped because you are presenting a different perspective. So I think that's one of the best things that I have seen is that knowing of self, but part of knowing of self is understanding some of these societal uh, conditioning and kind of this world that we're living in. Like, let's just acknowledge the reality that we're in. Let's yeah. not ignore like the reality that there are, we are coming out of a hole to get up to a level playing field. We are yeah, not you, all starting on the same field. <laughs> right. I, you know, I love the saying, you can't clean your house if you don't see the dirt. Right. And I think it's true of anything. It's not complaining or victim mentality. And I think that that's a weapon used against women who are trying to advance and thrive to say, well, if you call out an inequity or has resulted in an outcome that isn't really great for you, that somehow you're complaining and what good is it and all of those things. And I think Mm -hmm. we're both very largely in agreement that there is value. It's not about accepting it and saying, okay, well, I guess there's nothing I can do, but you have to come in with eyes wide open and you have to understand the waters you're swimming in. And the reality, if you are to interrupt, if you want to adapt to the environment in ways that serve you, then you really have to understand fully and completely the reality of your situation. And I always say forewarned is forearmed because it doesn't serve any of us to pretend it's not there. No. And there's even a concept of mental contrasting, right? It's actually very beneficial in being able to achieve goals that you set for yourself to like have the, like the aspiration of where you're going, but acknowledge the obstacles that are likely on the journey with you and being able to do that contrast, like see them, acknowledge them, and then, you know, figure out a strategy for them. That's actually very powerful technique to goal attainment versus a Pollyanna-like mentality of like, everything's going to be great and I can do this. And if I do a good job, nothing will get in my way. Yeah, no, that's spot on. Sometimes that empowerment language, I often will say is really a wolf in sheep's clothing because it doesn't empower you. It just blames you. And so we've got to be careful to detangle what is sometimes presented as empowerment from what is fix the women mentality. So I love what we're talking about here. And I just want to make sure I've given you the opportunity to get through your five key learnings. I think we've gotten through two or three of them, but let's make sure we get through those last two. Yes, yes. These last two are really interesting because they tie in really nicely with what we've been talking about, which is tuning into your intuition. So this is something that I have seen again and again, where in my experience, if a woman tells me she's not intuitive, that's not true. She has gotten very, very good at shutting it down. Absolutely. I totally agree. But these women have practiced giving their intuition the microphone. So I think that's the big thing. You're not all of a sudden going to make a major decision based on intuition. Give, you know, take take small opportunities to when you hear that voice. Uh, oftentimes our heart knows what it wants. It's our head that rationalizes it away. And so next time before you start rationalizing, play it out. These women will play it out. Look for small opportunities to just test your intuition. If you want to build your confidence around it. I had one woman, she was a executive, Silicon Valley, just focused heavily on her career and she wanted children. And she was early thirties. She was, you know, VP level. She had done very well because she'd gone all in. 
And the doctors could find nothing wrong with her. Physically, they were like, we don't understand, but she could not conceive. They were so disheartened. And she, in her mind, was thinking, I have to stop working. It's the stress. I know it. So sure, she stops working. Not pregnant. Just stops working. This thing that she's just spent the last 12 years focused on, she says, I'm stepping away. Three months later, she's pregnant. That's amazing. Yeah. And that's so often what I've seen too, is we have to make the leap before we know exactly where we're going to land. But that's the beauty of that intuition is that when we can trust it, the leaps seem less scary. They're always going to be scary, right? Like that never goes away. It's more, do we have the coping strategies to manage that fear? I also think the habits, I love what you said about do a small thing, trust your intuition a little, because what you're really talking about is habit forming. If you trust your intuition a little bit, and then you trust it again, and then you trust it again, you're actually building a habit of listening to your intuition, trusting your intuition and acting upon your intuition. So intuition is not this lightning bolt that comes from the gods in the sky. (laughs) It is a skill that you build through the habits of paying attention to and listening and reflecting acting upon, and then perhaps acting upon those habits over and over and over again. And that is what we call people with great intuition. Right. Yes. So that's, that's definitely been a very recurrent theme. And then the last thing, and this one might be becoming my favorite, which is this idea that what I've seen is these women, they create, I'm going to call them open-ended goals. And what I mean by that is they have a direction that they're heading but it's directional only in nature. And what it allows for is as life happens, as they grow and change, as they receive new information and new understanding, they have flexibility to change course. They give themselves permission to change their mind, but all serving this further direction that they're heading. So that's something I've really loved is that it can be so easy to get stuck. Again, I know for me personally, very stuck on the linear path. Uh, I'm a sales leader, so I will become a sales executive. I'll always work in this space and not be able to see the transference of those skills, perhaps where you know now those things that you loved before are no longer true and you want to adapt and evolve. Um, and so these women do that beautifully. And at this point, over 60% of the guests have made one major career pivot where they've completely left industry, completely left role and totally changed. It hinges on their ability of like, they are directional in their goals. What I think is so important about what you've just said there is that goal setting and flexibility and not holding on so tightly Mm. and being open to what's happening in the periphery are not exclusive of each other. Nobody's saying don't have goals. Nobody's saying don't work towards those goals. But I've said this many times with different guests and under different contexts that if we're so laser focused, the way we're sometimes taught we need to be, that if it's truly important to you to achieve the goal, then you'll be laser focused on the goal. You might miss some really important, maybe magnificent opportunities on the periphery that may allow you to um, more quickly achieve the goal or adapt the goal in a way that's really going to serve you and your happiness and your purpose in a bigger way. And I'm not surprised to hear that that is something that the women you have spoken to who've been very successful have been able to say. The goal is there to serve you, not to dictate to you what you have to do. Right. And again, going back to like liberating, right? One of my phrases that I always kind of like bristle when I hear is the should, 
right? Again, this belief that we should know, like, you know, the question you get, like, where do you see yourself in five years? (laughs) An absolutely ludicrous question. It's okay to not have it crystallized. In fact, it's actually probably better. But if you have an idea of like, uh, uh, you know, I want to be able to speak on a stage in an arena. That's it. That's it. There is perhaps no more harmful word than I should have, or I should be because should just gets in the way. Uh-huh. Oh, so much, so much. So I, I love this too, because it's like giving yourself the permission and the freedom to have a idea, but not have it all mapped out. You've seen that video of like the basketball players where they're passing the ball back and forth and they're telling you to count how many passes they make. So you're frantically trying to count. And then at the end of the video, the instructor is like, who saw the gorilla? Yes. You've missed something that you should not have missed. Right. We're so focused on that thing that was perhaps not as important, but was what you should do, right? Because that's the prescribed instruction. It's just a reminder of how powerful our brains are when we tell it to focus on something. And I love how you called that out of sometimes when we do that, we, we, we can't see what's right in front of us because we're not looking for it. Yeah, that's so interesting. And I think it really aligns wonderfully with success in terms of the way we define it, Mm -hmm. in terms of our purpose and the way we define it. Because if it's, I should be doing this by this date, I should be doing this with my background, I should have done this, all of those kinds of things can really be a hindrance Mm -hmm. to being where we want to be or having that meaningful, purposeful life. So I always wrap up and I hate wrapping up with you because (laughs) like we could talk for hours, but I have a manifest statement or a key takeaway. And I saw a quote from former president of the Disney ABC television group, Anne Sweeney. And she said, quote, define success on your own terms, Mm -hmm. achieve it by your own rules and build a life you're proud to live, end quote. And I think For women, that is especially important because we have perhaps more shoulds than anyone and the perspective of what the workforce should look like and what motherhood should look like or what a successful woman should be, that prescriptive bias can really get in the way. And Margaret, kudos to you for creating that important platform, your podcast, that helps women do just that. Oh, thank you. And I, oh, I love that quote so much. It's so powerful and it's so true and it's such wise words for us. So if people want to, and please do listeners go listen to this because you will thank me for it. If they want <laughs> to find your podcast or more about you, can you uh, let us know where to find that? And oh, I'll, of course. And I'll also include it in the show notes. (laughs) Gladly. Um, So the podcast is available anywhere that you listen to podcasts. So it's just Rising Tide is the name of the podcast. I have social handles. So TikTok, if you're a TikToker um, or Instagram, it's at Rising Tide Podcast. You can find me that way. And then if you go to the website, I'm starting to do more content that I'm putting out there as well. It's thisisrisingtide.com. Wonderful. And again, I'll include those links in the show notes. I am so delighted to have had this conversation with you. And I have to say that this will be the first of many because I really think the work you're doing in the learning is so wonderful and so inspiring. And I look forward to us having many more conversations just like this one. Oh, thank you. I appreciate being on. This has been wonderful. Thank you again. For more resources, you can visit my website, www.advancingwomenpodcast.com 
com and connect on Instagram at Advancing Women Podcast. I love getting your feedback, so please email me at Dr. D. Simone at Advancing Women Podcast.com. I just want to thank Joe Jacobs, the audio warrior who wrote the music for this podcast, and a huge thanks to Heather Harris, the creative warrior who designed the Advancing Women Podcast logo. And thanks to all of you for joining me here today. <laughs>